welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here along with Zach Hicks. He covers the Indianapolis Colts for Sports Illustrated and it turns out is a huge 1990s punk rock fan as I've discovered from his offspring shirt. Uh, what is going on, Zach? How are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. I got to, you know, before we jumped on here, I got to talk a little bit of punk uh, from from an era that I was barely even alive during. But, you know, it's it's an era I've been able, luckily with, you know, with the with Internet and everything, you can go back and listen to everything. And uh, yeah, I, I wish I was born a little bit earlier so I could have experienced it. But I'm doing good, man. And yeah, it was a blast talking about that before we jumped on. You say that, but it was really hard to find music outside of going to a record store in my day before you had YouTube. <laughs> and I re- I remember this because you have the Offspring shirt on that the Offspring had a website in like the late 90s where they uploaded one of their videos to it. And it was the only video that I knew how to find from a band on the internet. So I just kept going and watching these two or three videos that the Offspring had somehow, like I used to go to official band websites to try mm-hmm. to find their content and listen to their music. And now, you know, YouTube has absolutely everything. And yeah. so it's at some point we'll do um, a, a separate pod on all nineties <laughs> football and music comparisons. That's what we'll do. Cause obviously the nineties NFL comes up a lot on the show, not so much uh, the punk, but you know, the reason you're here is not just because you cover the Colts and they're a really interesting off season team, but also because you do a ton of really great draft work and I have created a match game. Are you familiar now? Neither one of us were around for match game, but are you familiar with match game? Uh, somewhat, somewhat. I'm a little bit. Okay. If you ever watch buzzer, the channel with all the game shows in the seventies, yeah. there was a game show called match game that had a certain way of setting things up and you have to fill in a blank. And so okay. I've got that for later and I think it's good, but oh, uh, okay. For, okay. first, uh, before we get into draft stuff or match game, We have to talk about two things and I'll let you pick which one you want to talk about first. Kirk cousins almost got traded to the Colts. It seems second thing is Debo Samuel is going to get traded to somebody. Which one do you want to talk about? We can talk about Kirk. You know, I I was a Washington guy before I uh, went to Indy and I was, I covered the Kirk cousins era a little bit when I was in Washington, grew up a Washington fan. He was probably honestly outside the one RG three year he's probably the best quarterback I ever covered or ever watched in Washington because I grew up a Washington fan from like 02 to, you know, 2016. <laughs> it was brutal. You had your, uh, your, uh, what was his name? Patrick Ramsey, Patrick Ramsey, yeah. Jason Campbell, Todd Collins, Mark uh, Brunell when he was like 50. I mean, you mixed, yeah, you mixed in a Donovan McNabb for a brief time. <laughs> Dude, the best one I think was 08. It was, uh, John Beck versus Rex Grossman to see who was going to be the starter. I mean, it was oof, some great football right there. <laughs> yeah, it could, it could always get worse than going from Carson Wentz to whatever is left of Matt Ryan. But yeah. uh, do you think that the uh, Colts should have put on more of a press? Because the way that I understand it is the offers were what they were and nobody was willing to go all in to trade for Kirk Cousins with some enormous offer that the Vikings would have accepted. And my guess is based on what they paid for Matt Ryan, it was probably similar. And the Vikings just said, you know what, we'll just keep Kirk Cousins. Do you think the Colts should have put on the full court press for Cousins or have gone the way that they did with Matt Ryan? I think, you know, in a sense, they kind of got lucky with Matt Ryan. I mean, the the Falcons kind of overplayed their hand with the whole Sean Watson stuff. And and it got to the point where they kind of jaded you know, arguably the best player in the history of their franchise. Uh, and luckily the Colts were there to, to scoop it up because at the end of the day, when the Falcons were 
officially having to trade him because he didn't want to play for him. He basically said, oh, I only want to go to Indy. I don't want to go anywhere else. So then you, to repair whatever relationship you have left with him for, you know, when the Ring of Honor stuff comes, maybe Hall of Fame comes later in his career, uh, you have to just kind of abide by that. So they only got a third for a quarterback where in this market, they probably could have got a little bit more. Uh, and I think that's kind of where the Vikings were, where they weren't kind of forced to trade Kirk Cousins. So they didn't have to take just a third round pick. Uh, so the Colts kind of got lucky by waiting out the market and and got a player like Matt Ryan, who's you know probably better than almost all of these options that they could have gotten. You know, Jimmy G, Baker Mayfield, uh, Jameis Winston. You know, I think I think Matt Ryan's better than all those options there. Uh, but no, I don't think they should have gone more for Kirk Cousins. You know, going into the all season before I knew Matt Ryan would be available, uh, I thought Kirk Cousins would be their best their best option to kind of upgrade because you know for everything that he is, he is definitely better than Carson Wentz. Uh, I, I don't think it was really really that close. But at the end of the day, I think a big thing that the organization wanted was they didn't want a situation like with Carson Wentz where uh, like a big point of contention early in the season was. Carson Wentz was not all in, you know, and that's kind of what Jim Mercy said after the year, you know, we want players who are all in committed to winning. Uh, so the vaccination thing was a huge thing with that, you know, Carson Wentz decided not to get vaccinated. Uh, and then right before the last two games of the year, he had to sit out for a little bit, came back with very little practice against the Raiders. And then he played two of his worst games of the year for, just to end the season. Uh, so I'm not saying it's because he was unvaccinated, but the Colts made it a, a big thing that they want players all in, uh, do whatever it is to win, even if that is get vaccinated. So I just thought Kirk Cousins is a player they wouldn't really go too hard for, considering all the stuff that was kind of coming with the Vikings last year when he wasn't vaccinated. Yeah, right. Uh, and that became a very contentious point here as well. And actually, I mean, I was a little surprised when they decided to even do the extension that they did because yeah. I knew how upset some people were with that whole situation from last year. And the way that we talked about it was through the lens of football. Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do on this show. There's plenty of other shows right. you could talk about with that sort of stuff. But from a football perspective, it meant something in a lot of markets um, and players who did not choose to get vaccinated missed time to a yep. man, almost every single one, including Kirk cousins. But then all of a sudden it's like, it's like weird. Cause for a little while, we woke up from the dream and then COVID didn't exist anymore, uh, allegedly. Uh, yep. Now we're in NFL facilities. We're going to be back in the locker rooms. But then there's another wave. as like, who knows even how to look at this stuff? But I think the world is starting to look at it. Um, you know, I was at the airport the other day. No one's wearing masks anymore. Uh, so it's like they're starting to look at it like that's just not a thing anymore. Right. Uh, and maybe they would have said with cousins, like, oh, I guess that's just not a problem. So yeah. we'll be interested in doing it. I guess the question comes down to, do you think that Kirk Cousins could win you more football games than Matt Ryan is what it really comes down to for the Colts? Um, because, you know, the price is going to be factored in as well. What's left of Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan in another day is much better than Kirk Cousins, in my opinion. But that day is not today. And so I think mm -hmm. that's what they're I think that's what they're dealing with is you're asking yourself. So, so how much of Matt Ryan's struggles were the Falcons team? How much of Kirk Cousins' struggles were because his coach didn't like him? And, and and how much are, as you've seen, how much are based on Cousins just not being able to get to that next level to take a team deep into a playoff run? I think that these are all very difficult factors for a team that has a legitimately very good roster in Indianapolis. Right, right. I think when it came down to it with, with Matt Ryan again, they – 
they tried the whole Carson Wentz experience and, and I'm not here to speak on Carson Wentz's character or anything, especially regarding the vaccination stuff. Uh, Cause I don't know the inner workings of everything that happened there or anything, but uh, from my read of the situation, just from what Ursay and Ballard have been saying, I mean, I've never seen a team separate themselves from a player so hard after a season when he was still under contract. I mean, that it was blatantly obvious to everyone that they were going to move on uh, and they didn't even have a suitor lined up yet. And, you know, luckily Washington came in and, and, I mean, did beautiful work by giving Indy so much, uh, took the whole contract, gave them multiple picks. Uh, but that, I mean, they were, they were done. And I think the, the biggest thing is they wanted to go from a guy like Carson Wentz, who wasn't really a leader in that locker room, wasn't really somebody who was fully connected to the mentality of the team. And they wanted to go to someone who can step in right away, be the favorite franchise, be a guy who everyone looks to, all the younger players look to, a guy who's had success, you know, a former MVP who's gone to the Super Bowl. Uh, and, you know, Matt Ryan may be not what he was in 2016. I mean, I'm not arguing that whatsoever. But in terms of bringing in a veteran who uh, has done the work throughout his whole career, who has been great in the community and great in everything that he's done uh, on and off the field, and a guy who can operate an offense, you know, at, at the end of the day, Carson Wentz failed in Indy because he wasn't doing the little things. He wasn't hitting the layups. He wasn't making the safe and easy play. Uh, and then down the stretch, he was just missing shots down the field. Now, where Matt Ryan may be limited down the field, he can actually operate an offense. You know, And, and yes, there, there have been struggles in recent seasons. Uh, no one's going to argue that he's been perfect. But I mean, a lot of that was, I mean, for most of last season, Kyle Pitts was literally the only option in that offense. Uh, one of the worst offensive lines a new coach, uh, Cordell Patterson was the second best player on that offense. Uh, so I'm, again, I'm not trying to make excuses for him because then I sound like all the excuses I was making for Carson Wentz before. But uh, Matt Ryan, I think, is a capable quarterback, and I think it's I think it's them trying to get back to what they had in 2020 with Phil Rivers, but with a better roster around their quarterback. Because you know, if you look at 2020, Phil Rivers within he had a really strong season. They took the number two seed Buffalo Bills to the wire in the first round of playoffs. Now you take that team, you add you know, fringe MVP candidate, Jonathan Taylor, thousand yard receiver, Michael Pittman Jr., who those guys were rookies that year. Uh, and then a defense that has Yannick Nagakwe and Stephon Gilmore, uh, along with the players that they had in 2020. The idea is you can potentially repeat that season, but with better players around your quarterback. So I don't mind what they did, especially get it, you know, at the end of the day, they, they flipped Carson Wentz for a, a cheaper, better quarterback and gained picks. So I, I can't really complain uh, maybe Kirk Cousins would have been better on paper, but I completely understand the direction they went with quarterback and and getting, again, a mature leader like like Matt Ryan to kind of step in and, and right the ship a little bit. Well, and, you know, if the Colts Googled Kirk Cousins and leader, they wouldn't find a whole lot. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's just the truth that a lot of the things that you said about Carson Wentz are things that get said about Kirk right. Cousins here and behind the scenes. And one of the reasons that despite his great statistics, they gave him a very short-term contract that it seems like the owners really made them do. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I, there's a lot of those similarities of like, Cousins is a better quarterback at throwing the football than Carson Wentz. I don't think that's close, but when the same tendencies personality wise come up in multiple cities, it's not the people in the last city. That was the thing that Vikings fans talked themselves into. And no, I shouldn't blame the fans. The Vikings talked themselves into uh, with cousins. The first time was okay. Well, it was Washington's fault though. Look at them. They're a bus fire of a franchise, which is true. But yes. all the things that came up there came up here. But the irony of the situation is 
I think that if placed on a roster like Indianapolis that could run like they can with the offensive line that they have, especially the interior offensive line, I think that's Kirk's best chance ever to really take a team somewhere because it's the interior pressure that usually crushes him. And Quinton Nelson plays for that football team. I can assure you Quinton Nelson does not play for this football team and no one (laughs) even close. Chris Reed is the closest we've been. Chris Reed, you guys Your signed guy. my oh man, I love Chris Reed so much. I am so happy that he got a good deal. Like two, what was it, two years, four million, I think, for him. Like, I'm so happy for him. He's such a good guy, good guy. Like, I was a little bummed at first that he was gone, but like at the end of the day, I, I'm more player-centric over these team over teams anyway. So I was just happy to see him get a good deal, go back to where his wife is from. Uh he's an awesome dude. You guys are gonna love him. Oh yeah, we we were already saying that um he's the leader after one press conference for the right guard position. Um, so anyway, I, I, you know, I think that if they were looking for that part of things, the leadership part of things, then Matt Ryan probably is the better choice for them. Even if cousins is technically the better quarterback at the moment. Um, are the Colts getting Debo Samuel? They seem to be getting lots of other people. I don't really know how they can get it done. Uh, cause you got teams like, like the, the Packers and the chiefs both have two first round picks. Uh, apparently Houston is interested and they have, two first round picks with one being the 13th pick. Uh, the Jets, I think, have two first round picks. They're going to be interested. I mean, because they were close to getting Tyreek Hill. I, I don't see any way that Indy could get him. <laughs> I just don't see the picks. Uh, probably the best offer they could put together is 42 this year and either their first or one of their seconds for next year. But I don't know if that gets it done. I mean, this receiver market's insane right now. It, it is it is absolutely wild. These, these receivers are going for uh, – first and second round picks getting paid almost 30 million a year like it it is it is absolutely bonkers I I don't you know hopefully obviously we all want a Debo Samuel on our team but I I don't think it's gonna happen I I I wouldn't put money on it with Indy you know what's interesting though with the receiver thing is I I just swing so hard back and forth because in one way I think well, if you've got that guy, it's a golden ticket. I mean, we've seen here receivers raise the level of the play of all the quarterbacks, but at the same time, like, wow, don't pay him because there's always some other disgruntled guy that maybe you could get, or there's right. another draft pick that's coming out. I guess I, I wonder how you view this entire thing because there has just been such a shift this off season into these players deciding, look, oh, my contract isn't up for another year. Uh, who cares? I want what I want right now yeah. and you have to give it to me. And uh, it's working for the players. Yeah. Again, I'm always player centric over these teams. I mean, these players, you got to know your worth. And if you can get paid that money, go out and get it. You have every right to do it. So I'm, I'm always player centric over teams, but it's funny with all these receiver trades. I feel like I'm on the side of like each time I'm like, Oh, both sides are winning. Like, because <laughs> on one hand, having a Devonte Adams, having a Tyreek Hill, that's a game changer. You know, like th- those are game changing offensive pieces. Uh, that could go off for 200 yards any game. You know, these are these are top top tier receivers. Uh, but on the other hand, the team that trades them, uh, you're you're getting a huge cap relief to to improve your roster, and then you're also getting a first round pick where you know we're, we're seeing what what me and my buddy Hag uh, call it is the the seven on seven babies. You know, you're seeing these guys these receivers nowadays like they don't have much adjustment to the NFL. Uh, they're, they're coming in right away and and just taking off. I mean. You have guys like Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. with Indy. Like these, Terry McLaurin a couple years ago. These guys are coming in from day one, 
and becoming top 10, top 15 receivers in football. I mean, Justin Jefferson's arguably the best in the league. And he came in two years ago. Uh, Jamar Chase last year took the league by storm uh, on his first year. And I know these are like some of these guys are early first round picks, but others are late first, early second. So if you're giving me, you know, a mid first and an early second and I get like 30 million in cap relief, I totally get that, too, with these seven on seven babies. I mean, the guys like like the Packers trade away Devontae Adams. Now they have a shot at Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, you know, all these guys who they, they could be the next A.J. Brown or the next Karen McLaurin. So it, it's super interesting. I think it's it, it's really cool. It's it's really fun for, you know, the offseason speculation part of football because, you know, NBA is kind of the sport that gets that love, that gets the, oh, who's who's going where, who's, who's joining up with who. But now we're seeing in the NFL, it's just trade, 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 which we never, never, ever saw before. So I think it's great for media purposes. I think it's great for kind of both the teams. And, and it's going to be really interesting to look back at this, you know, four or five years down the, down the line, like, did the Packers make the right choice? Did the Chiefs make the right choice? Uh, so we'll be able to see some cool precedent with that. But overall, I mean, I, I think it's it's good for every party, and, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Folks, Minnesota sports teams are in the playoffs. Yes, that's right. Playoffs. Minnesota sports teams is happening. And for all your Minnesota sports inspired gear, go to sodastick.com. That's S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. They have hockey, basketball, all sorts of great designs on hoodies, on shirts, on hats, Everything you need, go there. Use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER for 15% off your purchase. Again, that is SOTASTICK, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. 15% off with the promo code PURPLEINSIDER. You know, I remember when I first started in radio, it was the first uh, day of free agency. We didn't even have like a free agency special. Like there was so yeah. there was so little that was going on. And then now all of a sudden, it's just absolutely wild. Pretty much from the end of the season all the way until right through the, the end of the draft. Um, but this class in particular, when you've looked at this receiver class, is is it too much to say that the next Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson is going to be there because I think it's weaker than it was in the past with just the level of prospects. And maybe it's a little on the presumptuous side to say, oh, well, you know, you'll just find another one of those guys. I mean, that that is always where I kind of draw the line a little bit because it's not like quarterback where if you get a quarterback on a rookie contract who's just good enough, you can win with them mm-hmm. um, if you stack up everything around them. It's not like you could stack up everything around the receiver. The guy has to be good. <laughs> he can't be yeah. Jalen Rager, for example. So how do you kind of stack up this receiver class? I've been on the train of the Vikings picking one at 12, even though nobody in the world thinks they will. Um, (laughs) But with Jefferson, now you just don't know. You got to start thinking ahead. Like he might want to go play with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. You don't know. And he'll force his way there if he wants to. Uh, And eventually Adam Thielen will be on his way out as well. So is it worth taking anyone toward the top of the first round of this draft at wide receiver? Uh, personally, I don't think I have anyone graded that high. Uh, I think it's a good class. Like, I think, I think you're looking at, you know, 10, 20 guys who could be like good producers in the NFL. I think there's a ton of guys who, uh, if you told me they hit 500 yards in a season, like in the first couple seasons, like in one year, uh, I'd be like, all right, yeah, makes sense. You know, guys like Calvin Austin, Sky Moore, who you could probably get uh, in the second or third round. I think they can be productive guys that are out of the gate. Uh, but I don't think there's a Justin Jefferson. Uh, I mean, I was super high on Justin Jefferson coming out. Uh, I don't think there's a Jamar Chase for sure. Devontae, uh, 
Devonta shoot, what's Smith. It? Smith. Devonte Smith. Yeah. The easiest last name ever. And I couldn't get it there, but <laughs> I don't think there's any kind of guys like that. who kind of come out the gate and just kind of explode. But I do think there's a lot of really good players. I mean, you, you can't go wrong with a Garrett Wilson or with a Chris Olave, uh, Jamison Williams, even though he's got the ACL tear, I think he's a really good player. Uh, Drake London has the potential to be kind of like that Michael Pittman Jr. type role uh, guy where it's, you know, he's a bigger receiver, but we're not talking, you know, JJ Arcado Whiteside type, you know, he's, he's a guy who can actually run routes and actually get open. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of really good productive players where if you're the Vikings, if there's one where you fall in love with the upside they bring, uh, pairing them with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I mean, that's that's going to be freaky. Uh, for the, And the, you can't think of a better situation for a young receiver. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I can see them going 1-12 and see them having a great career. Uh, I just personally don't see anyone that great. But I think with the right quarterback, right offense, you know, they could be 1,000-yard receivers in the NFL. I think the best guy has the ACL injury. What do you think? I mean, I think that Jamison Williams, for me, if the Vikings took him at 12, I would endorse. I would yeah. say, look, you know, you don't draft anybody for what they could do in their rookie season. You draft them to be a part of your team for a long time. He is the only guy that I've watched where I went, whoa. And and I that's that's my scouting process right there, Zach. Is <laughs> and I and I mean this that there will be a lot of prospects people talk about, and I'll say, okay, let's find out what the deal is with this guy. And I'll be like, okay, I guess if you squint, you see something. It shouldn't be hard. You should yeah. be like, oh my gosh, look how fast he is. That's what guys should look like in college. And and Williams coming from Bama, that's now like wide receiver you. I, I think that's somebody who is the only one with something special, which is his like next gear once he gets the ball. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. The scouting, everyone always says, Oh yeah, watch a minimum of three games, watch the four games and, and stuff like that. But I've always personally loved the 10 play uh scouting method. Have you ever heard the 10 play scouting method? No, no. If you watch a player for 10 plays and you don't rec- and you don't notice them, they're not going to be that great of a prospect. <laughs> and honestly, I, I subscribe to that. I think, you know, obviously if it's like a safety and they're just not involved, I get it. But like for the most part, you should be able to notice the player in 10 plays. If you're going to, you know, for them to be a legit NFL guy, you shouldn't have to watch three or four games and then go like, Oh, that's the guy I'm supposed to be watching. So I totally get your, you know, your whole wow uh, evaluation. And Jameson Williams is definitely that, uh, He's my wide receiver one as well, even with the ACL injury. Uh, and I think the best argument I've seen against him is that, you know, he had to transfer away from Ohio State, away from being behind Olave and Garrett Wilson, who are both in this class. So I, I do kind of get that argument. But uh, when, when you look at Jameson Williams, I mean, he went to Alabama, immediately established himself as wide receiver one. Uh, and and you could just see that growth in his first year being a receiver. You know, early in the year, it was uh, you're the deep threat. You're going to open up things for the offense, which is fine. I mean, he basically did the Henry Ruggs role early in the season. And then as the year progressed, you know, we, we saw him take these steps and become, you know, a pure wide receiver one for that team. I mean, if you look at the Cincinnati game, they were sitting on everything deep. They were not letting anything deep. Uh, so what did Jamison Williams do? He became, you know, an underneath zone zone catching receiver, a little run after the catch stuff. Uh you know, sitting, just squatting in the cover three areas, and and he was productive. I think he had like eight catches for like 80-something yards. Uh, I, I think he can be a really good wide receiver in the NFL. I think I compared him to like Tyler Lockett. I, I think he's a guy who can kind of do a little bit of both, uh, be a deep threat who can also do some things underneath. And, and I'm with you. I think if you're going to take someone at 12, even with the ACL injury uh, and what, you know, what the Vikings currently have at the receiver group, I, I think he's the right guy to take there. 
Yeah, take someone who could be really good. Although I think Alave yes. could be as well. I'm not as sold on some of the other ones. But uh, now if I apply your rule of watching 10 plays to the <laughs> quarterbacks, I will tell you there's only two guys that would would uh, that I would draft in the 10 play rule. And that would be Malik Willis or Sam Howell. Because when the world is telling me to watch Desmond Ritter's footwork, I'm like, why should I have to do that? I mean, I believe everyone what they're saying about someone's footwork, but it should be really good, right? Like it should, it should just be obvious with a quarterback. This is not a guard whose footwork or something that I wouldn't understand or would have to watch it closer <laughs> with someone who played in the league to, to know what's going on like that. It's not like that with quarterback. Usually the guys who turn out to be great at very least, like someone like Josh Allen, at very least they were flashing greatness throughout their time in college. Um, and I only see that with those two guys, with Willis and Sam Howell. And for that reason, those are the two that are at the top of the list for me. But what do you think? So I, I think you had me on here just because you see me being one of the few Sam Howell guys on Twitter. And, I, and I, I'm not a huge Sam Howell fan. Like, I'm not saying he's, you know, a first-round guy. I don't, I don't think he's that high. I'm, I'm pretty low in this class in general. Uh, but I, I'm with you on Sam Howell. I think he's better than what people are kind of saying. And, and I think that that just – crummy North Carolina offense last year was just really tough. I mean, Josh Downs is great, a really good slot receiver. Uh, and Ty Chandler had a good year at running back. But, you know, Sam Howell, you know, he has the deep ball. He has really good precision on that deep ball. He drops to the bucket down the field. Uh, he's he's a tough as hell runner uh, when he gets out of the pocket, uh, runs over dudes. And uh, I think he throws some of the best, you know, intermediate to deep balls in in the class, uh, especially over the middle into to high level, uh, to like high dangerous situations. So, uh I'm with you. I think I think if you're looking for a guy to develop, I, I like Sam Howell a lot on like day two, you know, early to mid day two. Uh, I like him better than most of these guys. And then obviously Malik Willis is going to go top 10. Uh, you, you can't teach the traits that he has, even though, you know, he might be a while away from actually playing. Uh, but the traits are traits are incredible. Uh, do, do you think that the Vikings go quarterback in this class? I mean, they just want Kellen Mond, but like it doesn't look like he's really going to get much of a shot there. Uh, no, I would not suspect so. Although, you know, like the one, the, the one thing is the biggest gains are always made between year one and year two for any player. So right. I would always leave the door open before we completely say Kellen Mond is out, but I've never seen a guy struggle so much in training camp as he did last year, uh, that to get beat out by Jake Browning and then oh. Sean Mannion brought in, like, those are not good signs at all. Cause Jake Browning's like an AAF level quarterback. So he shouldn't be beating out your third round pick. So I think that that dream is probably dead for everybody who, you know, celebrated his pick last year, but uh, including RG three, if you recall, was yeah. uh, tackling <laughs> on some broadcast, but they kind of yeah. throw the same way. They got the really wide elbows and they, <laughs> they throw it. <laughs> that is true. That is true. It always looks like someone who sort of learned to throw yesterday. Like it was just like someone gave him the basics. Like, well, you know, yep. just hold your arms up like that. Uh, cock the ball back. <laughs> hold it there. You ever see those golfers who um, the, the, the slow they, swing? Yeah, the, the slow them. swing and they hold it for a sec. <laughs> yeah. That's Kellen Mond. Just like, no, Kellen Mond was hilarious last year because I watched like in the 10 play rule. The first couple plays I watched, I was like, he's really good, but also really bad at the same time. And I don't get it. And the more I watched, the more I was confused in watching him. And with me and my buddies, I came up with a ranking where I just called the Kellen Mond ranking. Like whenever I ranked quarterbacks or whatever, he was just off by himself, like in, in like a little nether region, <laughs> just all, all off by himself. Like he doesn't, he just gets his own ranking. Cause I, 
I had no clue watching his college show if he was good or bad. I didn't get it. <laughs> but well, I guess it seems your, like but the that's your answer. That's <laughs> yeah. that's your answer though. Like yeah. it's it it seems to me that it, what undoes prospects is always a, like the things you, that they did poorly in college. You could see it coming. Like once right. you get to that level, you go, oh, okay. I mean, it's not always Jamarcus Russell where he was physically perfect, but just didn't care about being an NFL <laughs> quarterback. That's yeah. rare. Most of the time it's like, oh yeah, inaccurate in college. Didn't work. Yeah. Shocker. Yeah. He, Josh Allen is going to ruin so many GMs oh, because yeah. he is such the rare case where like his accuracy just, I mean, early on it wasn't great, but because he put so much work into his mechanics, it got so much better. And GMs are going to be convincing themselves for years that they could do that with, I mean, Malik Willis, for instance, was what, like a 60% passer in college or something like that. Like how high is he really going to get in the NFL? You know? So I, I, I it's not going to be Josh Allen levels, like, cause it's, that's a crazy, crazy jump that never happens, but teams will talk themselves into it. It always happens. Yeah. I think Malik Willis, if it works, it ends up being like Kyler Murray where it's big yeah. plays or just nothing. And that's exactly what I compared him to. I, I compared him to blind Kyler Murray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but they, but Murray still has those moments where you're like, you see in everything. Okay. Out there, you right. know, blitzes and whatever else. I mean, he is very short. So uh, <laughs> yeah, Malik Willis doesn't have that to your question though. I think it's possible in the second round, for someone like Sam Howell, I think it's possible they trade back into the first round, but more likely than not, I think that when you have 18 teams who are going 2023 draft class, guys, there's only going to be like five quarterbacks, all 18 of you can't pick quarterbacks in 2023. So that to me is a fascinating dynamic. Cause I was going to ask you the same question. Are the Colts going to draft one of these guys? Not this year. I, I, I they've, they've actually They're one of the 18. <laughs> They have brought in more quarterbacks than I'm comfortable with them. And I keep seeing these like, you know, insider mocks where they have like Carson Strong to them in the second. I'm like, please stop. Like, please. You already did Jacob Eason, same thing, right? Yeah, that basically honestly, basically. Um, but like I just don't I I don't get a quarterback selection because they made all these moves to be competitive now. You know, Yannick Nagakwe, Safan Gilmore, Matt Ryan. Every position looks pretty good, except receiver is just desolate right now and then you have a really really good receiver class you have a prime pick in 42 that you got from washington why would you take a quarterback there that doesn't make any sense especially when you know they redid matt ryan's deal to where basically he's going to be here next year he's going to be the quarterback next year uh they've even talked about wanting him for the next two or three maybe four years uh i don't see why take a quarterback just to do the jordan love where you keep him on the bench for two or three years I just don't think it makes any sense. And I, I really hope they don't. Uh, I don't care if it's like a day three pick for like a backup quarterback, but man, please don't take a quarterback on day two. Please, especially in this class. I mean, we're not even talking about a good class. Like, please don't. Folks, just wanted to mention that you can get the Purple Insider Draft Guide next Monday by going to purpleinsider.com anytime. Click on any of the articles to go subscribe to our newsletter. The Draft Guide comes with one month subscription and you can get all of our written draft coverage. Go to purpleinsider.com. Check out all of our written work there. Sign up for either a full year at a reduced price or one month. You get the Draft Guide that has 50 players the Vikings could draft special essays on this year's draft and what the Vikings can learn from the past and much, much more. Again, purpleinsider.com. Our draft guide comes free with one month subscription. Go check it out today. 
I can't decide though if that makes it 2015 ish or just bad. Like, because yeah. with 2015, I remember the same sort of things. Well, there's no great quarterback here, and there we're just going to take the physical freak, which sounds similar to Malik Willis and Blake Bortles at the top of the draft. Yeah, and then they sort of miss the forest through the trees with what quarterbacks can do if they're decent on rookie contracts, right. Mm-hmm. Or low contracts. And in, in the case of Jimmy Garoppolo, when he first went out to San Francisco, Derek Carr gets a 12 win season. Teddy Bridgewater wins a division. It's like, I feel the same way about these guys. Every single one of them has something that you like. And every single one of them has plenty of reasons to go like, nah, that's not generational. It's just the right. question is if you need generational and the answer in today's environment is probably not I mean, Mm -hmm. you mentioned all the great wide receivers. It seems to be almost as much about what you could put around them for as anything else. But if they're thinking Matt Ryan is going to play until he's 62 years old (laughs) and just be their quarterback, I would just caution because I've seen some Matt Ryan up close the last couple of years. Like, I don't know, man. I don't think you can blame everything on Atlanta. If I, I honestly think that they should, I think that the Colts should take one. And then if he looks halfway decent, find, you know, when you can start to move him into that starting role and take advantage of as many years as you can come up with of his rookie deal um, because it's just about swings at bats uh, and other teams will draft those quarterbacks for next year. I promise you, (laughs) you know, so if you win 12 games or 11 or 10, and this is Colts, you're not getting a top three or top four quarterback in the next draft. And then you're on to the next draft. And if Matt Ryan is washed, what are you doing? Well, then you're going to have a high pick. Then you're going to have a high pick, and it's all good. I was going to say, Jacoby Brissett? Yeah, gosh. (laughs) Bring him back again, like another run. But I I think my biggest pushback would be, like, I don't even see much upside in this class. Like, I don't – like, if you give me the best-case scenarios for most of these quarterbacks, I don't think it's that good. (laughs) Like, like I don't even think it's really worth even a second-round pick. Uh, I don't even think I have a second-round grade on any of these guys. Like, I have all, like, third-round grades because I'm just like – I just don't see it. Like, I, again, I think these guys could be high-level backups, uh, low-end QB1s, uh, but that's not what you spend a, a decent pick on. Uh, so for even I, – I, I completely understand what you're saying, where there's always a next year, and then there's always the next year, and then always – and then you keep putting off kind of like what the Colts have done uh, at quarterback. You know, they keep kind of putting it off, but I just don't think this is the year at all. And, and you know, it's always said that next year's class is better, uh, but I'm – I'm perfectly fine skipping this one. <laughs> I'm fine with it. You know what I like about the Colts? This before we play our draft match game is that they have become the '90s Vikings of quarterbacks. Where the Vikings in the '90s had Jeff George and Randall Cunningham, and they would just sort of Warren Moon. They just pick up whoever's quarterback was washed out of wherever they had been really good in. In for Jeff George, it's Atlanta, and Warren Moon is obviously Houston. And that's exactly what Indy keeps doing now with Philip Rivers and Carson Wentz yeah. and now Matt Ryan. It's like it worked with yeah. one. It worked with right. Philip. Right. You know, it definitely did not with Carson. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see. Carson Wentz was was Jeff George good for you guys or was he bad for you guys? No, he know. was. He it good. was like his best year. This is okay. this is this is kind of the point though yeah. about quarterbacks that have upside, some upside, something they can do, but are not perfect. Is Jeff George and Randall Cunningham came into this team. And Jeff George, I think went like seven and two and Randall Cunningham went 15 and one in one year. Just have something that you do well and have Randy Moss and Chris Carter. And you've got a chance. (laughs) You always have a chance with Randy Moss and Chris Carter. I will definitely not disagree with that at all. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That is something you don't have in Indy for sure. No, Um, no. But the Vikings kind of do with 
uh, Jefferson. So, all right, let's play this match game. So the way that it works is uh, I have written sentences about six different things here involving the draft, and you have to fill in the blank. And you can be as serious or funny as you want to be, okay? <laughs> okay, okay. And uh, anybody who's seen the show will know exactly how, that this is written in the same form that they do it on Match Game. And since okay. you haven't, go to Buzzer, watch it tonight. So here we go. Okay. I got you. All right, okay. Here's our first one. Have you heard that Kenny Pickett's hands are small? <laughs> and and on the show, the whole crowd would go, how small? Uh, Kenny Pickett's hands are so small, he can't even grip a blank. <laughs> okay, so I can see the way that this is going. I don't even know if he if he, if he grip a softball. <laughs> okay, I like it. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> the, the obvious answer here is a football. <laughs> like, right, right. That, that is but, the obvious I mean, answer. Dude, you would think that his hands are like toddler size with the way that this has been soft. I mean, and you know, it's hilarious. I actually have super, super tiny hands, and I kind of get offended every time I hear people say his are so tiny because they're like noticeably bigger than mine and we're like the same height <laughs> yeah i uh i also am team not exactly huge uh ginormous no. hands and i am always uh laughing hysterically when i shake players hands in the locker room like daniel hunter who are big or stefan diggs was unreal i was like what the hell you're like 510 what dude, is this dude i met doug williams at the senior bowl a couple oh years my ago. gosh yeah his yeah. are like 11 and a half like it's hard like they're like out to here, man. He's like the Grinch fingers from Jim Carrey's <laughs> Grinch, and he was just like curled them around. It's like where he's like wearing a baseball mitt all the time. Oh my yeah. gosh, dude! I, I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I te- I technically my answer was grapefruit because I yeah. just thought it was a funny word, but football is probably the acceptable answer. All right, next one. <laughs> There's a lot of talk about Matt Corral's offense and how he only ran run pass options because they're easy. I've heard that Matt Corral's offense was so simple, it was written on a blank. Oh, gosh. <laughs> His offense was so simple, they had to write it on a blank. I mean, it was probably on like a cave drawing or something like that, just on a cave wall or something. I mean, on, oh, dude, I don't even know if he could operate anything too much, any more <laughs> difficult than that, though. It's probably the only way they could relay it to him. I like that you are catching on quick to how this is done. I went with a coloring book. (laughs) So simple. They had to put in a coloring book for him. Um, And it is, and that is another truth by the way of having. uh, So here's, here's my secret to quarterback scouting. I just watch everything JT O'Sullivan does on YouTube. It's easy. It's super easy. He knows more than I do. uh, And that's so much great information. He does like super deep dives. And then I feel like I know. And that offense, the same with like Sam Howell's offense was just preposterous. And that's why, that's why I kind of like him more than other people. Anyway, moving on, moving on. There seems to be a lot of confusion over Drake London. You see some people are saying that he's great at contested catches and others call him slow, but the most confused people are the one that get his name mixed up. You see, they didn't even know someone named Drake London would play football. They thought he was a blank. Oh man, probably like a rapper or something. It sounds like a rapper name. It kind of does sound a little bit like a rapper name. Very much, very much. Uh, my first thought was a rapper from England. Uh, seemed yeah. too obvious. I went with a star from All My Children. <laughs> think about Drake London, Paris Hilton's boyfriend or something. Is oh, good. <laughs> that, yes, that's a good answer. Uh, okay, we'll keep moving. Everyone's having these debates over Trayvon Walker. He's a physical freak, but he didn't produce in college. I'm not saying that Trayvon Walker's a bad football player, but he was so lost out there. He thought his job was to sack the blank. 
<laughs> probably just sack the left tackle. <laughs> these are these are these are hilarious. These are ridiculous. <laughs> I hope you're all playing at home. Uh, did you come up with this? Did you, or was this like a random generator that you put them into or something? <laughs> no, no, I did. Yeah, they, these are mine. I. Um, okay. My in-laws love watching match game from the seventies on, on the buzzer channel. So I've watched a ton of it and I should be singing the music along. Do, 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 do. Um, it's great. So I went with, uh, let's see. He's i I'm not saying he's a bad football player, but he was so lost out there. He thought his job was to sack the prime minister of Malaysia is what I went with. Oh, okay. Zoolander okay. reference for all who have seen. Yeah. It. Yeah. The, I'm, I'm sure he could, I mean, he's a physical freak. He could probably get it done. Derek Zoolander was made to assassinate the prime minister of Malaysia. Anyway. So if you've seen it, you get it. If you don't, you think this is the dumbest thing you've ever heard. Um, all right. Two more during draft season. Everyone has these crazy comparisons, Zach. It's nuts. I get tired of it. And you know, it truly gets out of control. I mean, for gosh sakes, the other day I saw a draft analyst comparing Kingsley and Igbare to blank. (laughs) Oh man, Kingsley and Agbari. That's that's kind of a deeper cut pull right there. I don't even know. He's not even as high prospects as the other guys. Oh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, so I think he's bored on film. So I'll go with Plank from Ed Ed Nettie, is what I'll go with. I don't know if you guys get that reference at all, I but it's not. literally just a wooden plank. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's stiff as a board. I, you know, Jalen Ferguson was actually my comp for him. <laughs> this this is why we play the game because see, I didn't game. know that. I didn't know that he was a plank. Uh, I went with since his name is Kingsley Enigbare. I went with King Richard the Fourth. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So yeah. he's probably a little bit bigger. Just a little bit. Sim- similarly violent is kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> his name is Kingsley. Okay. Last go. one. Last one. I'm not saying the Vikings are in a bad spot in this draft, but it's gotten so bad that I saw one very well-connected reporter saying they could pick blank. (laughs) They could pick. It's so bad. They could pick blank. Oh man. Wait, say that again. Say it one more time. I got to hear it again. The Vikings are in a tough spot here in this draft. It's so bad that I saw a connected reporter saying they could pick blank. Well, I mean, the worst position you could ever pick is a kicker. So absolutely a kicker. <laughs> kicker. That's how bad it is. Well, there's a, there is a uh, a cousin of that answer, which would be kicker slash punter because they once uh, traded for Kari Vedvik. Oh, yeah, um, they did. <laughs> I, I completely forgot about that. I went with Ragnar. Ragnar, I just, Ragnar their former uh, mascot. It's gotten so bad out there. They're drafting former mascots. Yeah. Uh, and any type of Viking ship would have been acceptable there, but um, lots of potential answers. So maybe we'll put that one out on social media and see what oh, people gosh. say. Yeah, yeah they, let's see. People, they, people love that. So feel free to steal it for your podcast, Match Game. It's always great. Um, Zach Hicks, follow him on Twitter at Zach Hicks2. A great follow, even if you're not a Colts fan or don't care about the Colts. You're just a really good football follow. So I appreciate your work and all that you put in. And I respect too you cover the Colts all year long and then still do the draft grind of watching the players, you interview prospects, things like that. So uh, much respect on the grind that you put in to covering the Colts there. And I appreciate having you on, dude. We'll definitely do it again. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember last year I had Ken A. I came on here and was in hyping up Ken A. Nwangu before he got drafted by the Vikings. 
And he had a pretty good rookie year. Pretty good. You know, stay healthy. We'll be good. But uh, no, I appreciate you having me on, man. Always fun. Um, and again, hit me up when you want to talk that po- that uh, punk podcast. We'll, yes. we'll get that going there. <laughs> for for all the um, the people who were born in the 70s, whose parents watch Match Game and they grew up with 80s punk. That's who, that's who we're talking to. So uh, very I, select few. Yeah, yes, right. <laughs> Only you people. <laughs> thanks, Zach. Yeah, thanks. <laughs>